This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live. I'm your host, Walter Rigavine. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. Uh, also joining us this morning, a friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, our good friend, the Ultimate Leafs fan, Mike Wilson. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, doing well here. How are you guys? We're great. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Just to let our listeners know, uh, uh, coming on the middle of the hour, the legend himself, Bob McCown, is back on AM radio this, uh, this week. Uh, we'll be chatting with him about his new project. Look forward to that. Later on in the hour, we've got uh, the longest-serving member on the International Olympic Committee, uh, Richard Pound, will be joining us and updating us on the uh, Tokyo Olympics and the Beijing Olympics. So really looking forward to that. Gentlemen, let's get into it. Uh, Last week, uh, you know, it seems like ancient history already. The Leafs had that remarkable three-game run in Edmonton, and... uh, Guys, things uh, things have been con- came crashing down to uh, earth with uh, with a pretty significant thud. Uh, Winnipeg took five out of six points from the Leafs this week in Toronto. Uh, Leafs were at this stage last year, uh, last week, sorry, uh, number one overall. They're now number four in the league, forty points, uh, uh, fourth overall in terms of percentage. Uh, Nez. Uh, uh, not a great set here against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, first to you, and then then to Mike. Uh, what happened? Especially last night, they didn't play very well at all. But uh, Dermott had a terrible night on D, and Anderson is not stopping the puck. And they got to stop the puck. If they don't, they're going to go down again. Uh, certainly, as they say, uh, most fired coaches always say, uh, you know, it's uh, the difference between a a successful coach and a fired coach is usually the guy between the pipes. Mike, you're the ultimate Leafs fan. I'm sure you were excited a couple of weeks ago. Um, Vancouver, Winnipeg, not so good for the Leafs. Uh, anything we should be concerned about, Mike? Well, you know, I, it's very difficult to criticize a team that's been at the top of the standings of the, of the league for the last, you know, since pretty much the beginning of the season. But I think what you're seeing as the season goes along is some of the holes in the Leafs lineup are being exposed. Starting off in that, Freddie Anderson's been good, but he has been great. And you don't win the Stanley Cup unless your goalie is great. The defense, for the most part, has been very good. Uh, the acquisitions have fit in very well and tightened things up on that point. Up front, though, I've had concerns about uh, Joe Thornton playing with uh, Marner and Matthews right from the start. I haven't been a big fan of that. Uh, I believe... He sets them back. Now, listen, he's got a 1,000 points, played 1,600 games. He's going to get his points because he's played the game. I'm obviously, obviously going to get points, but he's the wrong guy in that line. Um, you know, Zach Hyman should be with them. No questions, period. End of story. Line number two, John Tavares has been taking a beating. 
William Nylander, yeah, I know he's got 10 goals. He's got 11 goals, and he's doing terrific and all that sort of stuff right now. But he's a perimeter player, and you do not win. If you want to win the President's Cup, you go with players like that. If you want to go deep in the playoffs, you've got to be grittier up front. I think Wayne Simmons will help. I think, unfortunately for Tavares, I think Nylander's miscast playing with him, but you have to play him uh, because – you know, you're paying him too much, number one, and he's supposed to, he is an elite level player, but the problem is he's not the right guy for Tavares. I think I'd like to have seen a guy like Travis Boyd get a shot with him. I'd like to see maybe Kenny Agostino get a shot maybe to play. Get some of these grittier guys in there because those are the type of guys Tavares are used to playing with. I think Spez's role has been diminished the last couple of games for some reason that's unknown. Uh, he's been a real spark, great on the faceoffs and good on helping that third. He should be on that third line. Uh, I also think that, um, even with uh, Alex Kerfoot, I think he's a hustler. I think he was miscast as a, a third-line center. He's a hustling sort of energy-type guy, but I think they could replace that position there. I don't understand why Jamie Bessie's staying in a lineup so long. But I think when uh, some of these other guys get up to speed, maybe Galchenyuk maybe finally gets a spot at some point. It looks like he's making some progress with the Marlies. Nick Robinson, we haven't heard much about him recently, but... I'm sure they've got him penciled in at some point before the season ends. And there's always the opportunity to make a trade. But, you know, again, as I said, it's tough to criticize when the team's been having some successes. But you see some of the holes in the lineup that we've been seeing the last little while get exposed when you play against a team that's equally matched and equally as good as far as Winnipeg goes. So, Annette, Yeah, Mike, uh, I, I see the last uh, five games, the two against, except for the game last night, um, the two games against Vancouver out west, uh, in the three games against Winnipeg, uh, four out of those five games, I thought the Leafs outplayed, uh, uh, had the better of the play for, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, they got out goaltended in in most of those games, yep. uh, which is which is the blunt reality. Uh, last yep. night, uh, uh, last night they just, you know, the things, you know, that was the first game really where they got out shot. And, you know, in Winnipeg, I thought played a waiting game and took advantage of their breaks. Uh, you know, bad penalty to Morgan Riley near the end of the game cost them an opportunity to, uh, you know, to uh, to get back into it. Um, and then it just, it's one of those games. And in a long season, you know, you're going to have those. Um, but I think, I think Naz, I'll, I'll go to you. I, I think Mike makes a good point. Uh, Anderson's been playing good. But he hasn't been playing great, and if the Leafs are going to go deep, uh, certainly they are now. They're they're only four points clear of Winnipeg now, and Winnipeg's got two games in hand. Edmonton, if they, uh, you know, they're they're not that far behind. So the Leafs got to turn this around, um, and they get a shot against Ottawa uh, today. So, Naz, your assessment of you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to get this on picking on Freddie Anderson. You know, I, I, I don't want to go there, but uh, he's been playing good, but not great. I, I would say he's not playing to his talent level. Um, your assessment in that regard, Ness? I agree. I don't think he'd be goaltending in there, especially from him. Um, the other two guys, the backups, the second and third goalies, have done very, very well. Um, he's having a tough time right now. And... Uh, they did play. They outplayed the team. These teams four out of the last five games, and uh, there was a stinker last night. But uh, they got to improve. They got to improve their goaltending, or else they're not going anywhere. 
Well, you know, Campbell Campbell uh, has had a short uh, um, uh, a, a short list so far this year. hasn't played in that many games, but when he played, he looked good uh, and and gave uh, gave Anderson some welcome relief, as did Hutchinson at certain points. Uh, Mike, you know, we we talked about Freddie Anderson and got all of that. Um, you know, Joe Thornton, where he's where he fits in, and some of the other names that you mentioned. We've got a trade deadline coming up uh, April 11th or 12th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if yeah. you do a deal with an American team, then you've got to be concerned about the 14-day you know, uh, window where they have to quarantine or isolate. So, you know, Dubas has got to be giving this some serious thought right now. Read some reports that uh, if the Leafs are going to do something, potentially looking at a top six forward with some grit, some of the names being bandied about, uh, Mikael Granlund mm-hmm. uh, and this and this kid out in Anaheim, Richard uh, Raquel. Uh, Mike, what do the Leafs do at the trade deadline? Well, I mean, I think that they can add a player. And by the way, the 14-day quarantine should mean nothing. That's not where you're getting this player. You're, you're assuming that you're going to be a playoff contender. So that, that shouldn't factor in the decision whatsoever because you're looking down the road for that player to make an impact, not within a 14-day period. So that, that's, that's, uh, re- that's not the type of thinking you have to have. The other name being thrown around was that Lowry, the kid that played for Winnipeg last night. But, yeah, do they make a move? But they don't make a move just to make a move. It's interesting that yesterday was uh, March 13th, and everybody talked about that was the day that Wendell Clark came back from uh, the Islanders 25 years ago. But what people forgot to uh, you know, put in that equation was the fact that Dave Vanderchuk that night, they also played Winnipeg, as they did last night. They tied three all, and Andrzejczyk had two goals and an assist, and after the game, was traded to New Jersey for two draft picks to make room for Schneider <laughs> and Wendell Clark. Why? Salary cap room. They needed to make salary room. So it all seems to be sort of coming together at the least, I think, and to do something. This has been an ongoing problem. 25 years ago, they had the same issue, and they traded one of their top scorers to make room for some grit. So if the right player comes along... And unfortunately, listen, I don't mean to pick on 88, but the fact remains, Detroit Red Wings, you want to use as an example, Steve Eisenman, Scotty Boom went in there. Scotty Boom wasn't a big fan of Eisenman. Eisenman, a perennial 40, 50, 60 goal score. He scored 22 goals the year that Detroit won the Stanley Cup in 1996-97. You have to buy in. Defense wins Stanley Cups. You have to be tougher up front. They don't have that right now. They're missed. There's a few holes in the lineup, so that part you have to find. But listen, everybody in the league knows they have that problem, so they're not going to give them away. So just to make a trade for the sake of making a trade is not. That's why I'd like to see them give some of these guys from the Martis. That's why you have depth. That's why you have a minor league roster to give these guys an opportunity to fill those spots and try some of these guys. Give Adam Brooks a shot. You know, like... That's what you got to do, and I think they've, they've stacked out that team up well with depth. Let them play. Uh, really quickly, before we got to go to break, we got to let you go, Mike. Uh, it's been a long, long, long time since the Toronto Maple Leafs have had an MVP candidate. Uh, mm-hmm. Word word's starting to go around the league that uh, Matthews, Austin Matthews, at this point in time is is maybe a legitimate MVP candidate up there with uh, McDavid and Pat. Patrick Kane in Chicago is getting some uh, some uh, support as, as last year's MVP, Dreisaitl. Naz, uh, ask Austin Matthews, 
Is he going to fix or uh, put an end to the Toronto Maple Leaf MVP drought? I wonder how his wrist is. I don't like where he's playing on the power play in front of the net. That's not where Austin Matthews' strength is. I'm just wondering what his wrist is like. Hopefully it holds up. If it does, he's a candidate. If not, he's not. Mike, is Austin Matthews going to put to uh, to rest the Toronto Maple Leaf drought uh, MVP winner? Well, I, he, he, let's, listen, let's face it. I mean, he's a generational uh, type player. We have I haven't seen a player of that skill level play for the Toronto Maple Leafs since ever. And uh, he's got all the tools, got all the ability. The world is his oyster if he wants to be. I, I, he stays healthy. He can be, he's, he's going to be a candidate every year he plays in this league. And that goal he scored the other night, people should take a look at that a few times to appreciate the skill level of him dragging that puck from the back of his feet and roofing that puck on the backhand. That is a skill that you cannot teach. That is just the God-given talent that this kid is blessed with, and we should just appreciate it. Is he a candidate? He's going to be a candidate every year. Uh, on that note, I uh, just want to let our listeners know, uh, Mike, Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan, has been doing some great work with Pat, Pat, with our good friend Paul Petsko on uh, it's, uh, it's on social media. It's called the Hockey Time Machine. It's on uh, uh, at uh, Tuesdays or Thursday nights, whenever you can fit it in. Mike, congratulations on a fabulous interview you did this week with uh, with Jim McKinney. Good work. And uh, to our listeners, it's called The Hockey Time Machine. You can find it on YouTube. Always, always some great sessions on there. Mike, uh, congratulations for some good work. Well, thanks. And uh, don't forget about my right. I was just a fill-in as a guest on that show for The Hockey Time Machine. I'm going to do some more work with them as we go along. Uh, Jimmy McKenney, by the way, he's the easiest candidate in the world to interview. You just say a name and he just goes. But uh, don't forget about uh, Ricky Vibe and I. We have our podcast that comes out regular. You can get it all the podcast network. It's called Squid and the Ultimate Leaf Fan. And we have some great guests on there. So, uh, and, and Squid is always very entertaining himself. So have a listen. There's my famous self-plug. We're certainly, uh, we certainly will listen and we'll continue listening. Mike, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Wally. Thanks, Naz. Thanks. Bye. Anyways, we're going to go to break. When we come back from break, the legend himself, uh, Bob McCown's got some, uh, he's back on the air this week on AM radio. Let's have a chat with Bob about that. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realized we all have things we should cut back on. For me half-brother Rayul, that's ordering inflatable toys. For others, it's carbs. So Pizzaville made the extra thin crust pizza. You get the same authentic Italian taste as our regular pizza, but with two-thirds less carbs. Because the last thing Raul wants is an inflatable waste. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. 
Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. Is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a medium gourmet pizza for just $13.99. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth. Instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat, then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. Is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. And joining us this morning, the legend himself, the Bobcat, Bob McCowan. Good morning, Bob. How are you this morning? Well... Three days ago, I was sitting in the backyard. It was 19 degrees. I get up this morning, and there are snow flurries. I'm not happy. <laughs> uh, they'll be gone soon in the golf courses. I was actually online checking opening dates for golf courses yesterday. Get ready, Bob. Get the sticks out. First week I'm ready. April. I hope you're ready. Anyways, uh, we wanted to get you back today. Um, you know, we've we've uh, we've always said on 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 our show that we've always been big fans of uh, your show, Primetime Sports. I was a loyal listener for untold amount of years. We've missed you. Your podcast is doing fantastic, and there's a big announcement. Uh, you're actually back on AM radio tomorrow, starting tomorrow night at six o'clock. 
Uh, tell us all about on on uh, station out Mississauga nine sixty on the AM dial. I've already got it on my memory dial on my car, Bob. So uh, I'm driving home from work. I'd be love to listen to you on AM radio again. Tell us all about your new project. Well, bless you for uh, setting your resetting your dial in your car. If you could do that <laughs> with all the other cars around you, I'd be most appreciative. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're um, we're going to go back to terrestrial radio uh, and see how that goes. And uh, it'll be five days a week, um, an hour show. Uh, it'll air from uh, six to seven in um, on the, on nine sixty. And um, both John Shannon and I are uh, very much looking forward to it. And tell us a little bit about the, the show. How much can we expect? Uh... Uh, uh, is it a reincarnation of primetime sports? Same type of guest, same uh, same interview uh, people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give, us, give us an idea of what you're going to be doing. That's really what we did when we launched the podcast several months ago. We just, you know, we talked about what we wanted to do and decided that, you know, the, uh, the audience was used to a certain formatic and that... Uh, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel unnecessarily. And so uh, now, of course, you know, the old radio show was a three hour show, but um, uh, we decided, you know, we're going to do Well, we originally thought we were going to do 30 minutes a day. And it wound up being longer than that, um, because in a podcast format, of course, you can go as long as you want. So rather than have multiple guests, we had one guest or series of guests in each day and uh we're gonna do the same thing with uh with the radio program Naz, is it uh syndication you're looking at Bob, with the show well we're not really you know we're really not looking at at anything particularly uh the podcast you know achieved some level of success and i got a, a call um would I be interested in discussing the possibility of essentially taking the podcast and putting it on terrestrial radio? And uh, I said, sure. And the, the one issue for us was we did the podcast three times a week. And uh, of course, for radio, you have to do five shows a week. So John and I talked about it, decided we would go forward with it. And, uh, and also, you know, in the podcast format, of course, time is irrelevant. You can, you can be as short as you want, long as you want. Um, every show was a different length. You just kind of had a feeling for how long you wanted to go or how long it was worth doing. And now in radio, you have certain formatics that you have to follow. So, you know, we're doing a, uh, we'll be doing a 46 minute show every day to fit the format of the radio station. So, uh, but that's stuff that I don't think the audience cares about, but for, you know, for guys like us, um, we're used to it. So it really wasn't a problem. Uh, we're talking to Bob McCown. Bob, we're thrilled to have you back on AM radio. As I said, I've already programmed my uh, my speed dial in my car. Uh, I've always, uh, always enjoyed listening to your show. always enjoyed the uh, intelligence of your guests and the intelligence of the conversation. So looking forward to it. I'm sure a lot of listeners, a lot of uh, Former listeners on primetime sports, we're, we're thrilled to have you back on the air. We want to catch up with you a little bit. Uh, 
course, Stony Ridge Winery. What's uh, what's going on? Uh, you've uh, you had some exciting things going on. Uh, how's the COVID world uh, impacting your business, and what plans do you have for the winery this year? Well, um, it, it impacted everybody, as we all know. Um, for us, it actually wasn't negatively. It was, ironically, I suppose, positively. Uh, because we had the infrastructure set up to uh, do to take orders online and to do home delivery, and we were among the first wineries in the country to, to set that up. We did it a long time ago. And so, you know, as we move into this new era uh, of, you know, how we do things, uh, we were we already had that in place. So, um, so that worked out fine. Uh, you, as you guys know, January, February into March is the slow season for wine sales, and so we've uh, we've gone through that, and uh, things have already started to pick up a little bit. Uh, last year was a an unbelievably good growing season. Uh, my guys tell me that it was the best they could ever recall. So we're anxious to get some of this new wine, um, you know, produced and into market. Uh, again, I'm the wrong guy to ask, but my guys think this this the 2020 uh, vintage will be the best that Ontario has ever produced, and virtually across the board. So. Uh, very soon, you're going to start uh, seeing, trying uh, the new vintages of wines from our place as well as everybody else's, and um, we're pretty excited about what's to come. Nats, any special edition wines coming up, Bob? Well, uh, we always have things in the works, Naz, but uh, uh, last year, well, we have... Uh, we did a wine last year. We launched a wine last fall with uh, Glass Tiger called uh, Don't Forget Me. It's a sparkling, and uh, it sold very, very well. So you'll get that again. And then our third tragically hip wine, uh, Flamenco, which is a rosé, sold out in a matter of, I don't know, days or weeks uh, very quickly. And so we are producing twice as much of that this year. And I'm told that that has now gone into bottle. Uh, I think it went, it was bottled uh, this past week or the week before. And so uh, I would say probably around the 1st of April, uh, that should be ready for release. And, um, you know, we got a variety of other little things that we're working on and, and have plans for, but... Uh, in general, that's uh, those are the kinds of things to look forward to. Uh, Bob, before we let you go, I, I think uh, we want to uh, take advantage of uh, your uh, your passion and expertise about a sport that isn't that popular anymore. But the passing of marvelous Marvin Hagler um, yesterday sort of re uh, rejigged uh, rejigged my memory about how huge boxing used to be in the 60s 70s and 80s the golden age and marvelous marvin hagler some incredible incredible bouts <laughs> i actually watched the first round of one of his bouts against tom hearns on on twitter last night and i i was exhausted just watching those two guys beat the crap out of each other in the first round hagler uh bob uh, 
boxing, the 1980s. Uh, one of the greatest of all times, your, uh, your recollection of this great boxer. Well, I lived in Las Vegas. I was living in Vegas uh, for, uh, I guess, about half of the 1980s. And as you alluded to, um, it was Hearns, Hagler, Leonard, Duran were the four guys who ultimately battled each other for supremacy. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see an era like that where you have four fighters so distinct um, so marketable and so talented and each fight was was a war and I remember I mean, remember very well um, going to Caesar's Palace uh, when they used to have the uh, many of these fights were um, in a makeshift stadium that was built on the tennis courts that used to be at the back of, of Caesar's and uh, I mean, I can remember going over there, and, and I'd go over, uh, you know, late afternoon, uh, early evening when the card had already started, and invariably and inevitably you could find somebody hucking tickets. Uh, remember, the feature feature attraction used to start around 11, 11.30 Eastern time, but that was around 8 o'clock in, in Vegas. And um, so you could go over, uh, you know, at 5 or 6 once the early fights had started, and, you know, you hope to find somebody who was hucking uh, tickets uh, but was desperate enough to, to, to get rid of them at face value and sometimes even less. So I got a chance to sit uh, in on a few of those uh, fights. And it was, it was an extraordinary time. Uh, Hagler, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about him. He was, he was really a great fighter. And in conjunction with the other three guys, I'd hate to... I don't know what you guys think, but Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, Duran, who was the best of that group? <laughs> I'm not tough. sure. I'm not sure I could give you an answer to that. Uh, that's a tough one because they all had their own styles. Um, tough question. That that uh, perfect topic for debate on your on, on uh, 960 AM radio in Mississauga this week. Oh, we we may we may get to that at some point. I, I'm to, sure. Sad to see I'm, marvelous Marvin, Marvin Goldo. Yeah, it really was. Too young. Um, on that note, Bob, we're going to let you go. We're going to remind our listeners, Bob McCowan, the Bobcat, is back on AM radio starting tomorrow night. On, on uh, The station is 960 AM out of Mississauga. Bob will be listening, and we're thrilled that you're back on AM radio. Thanks uh, for thank joining us. Thank you both, and uh, thanks for asking me to come on. And uh, we'll talk again down the road. I hope so. I hope so. Keep, keep well, my friend. All the best. You too. Bob McCowan, like I said, tomorrow night on AM on AM 960 uh, in Mississauga. Um, uh, him and John Shannon. Looking forward to it, Ness. Really so looking I. forward to it. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, and he's always had some fantastic guests. On that note, we've got to go to break. When we come back from break, we'll be talking some Olympics with who else but Richard Pound. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Medium Gourmet Pizza Special. Get a Medium Gourmet Pizza for just $13.99. That's like flying first class when you only paid economy. You're up front, sipping champagne and stretching out in your luxuriously wide berth instead of having somebody kick the back of your seat. 
Then the guy in front of you decides to recline his Pizzaville, seat. Pizzaville, stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. He is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're on AM 740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. And on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, longest serving member of the International Olympic Committee, former president of the World Anti-Doping Agency. Of course, I'm talking about Richard Town. Good morning, Richard. How are you this morning? Well, indeed. Good morning. Uh, good morning, and thank you. I just wanted to give uh, give regards from our just previous guest. We just chatted with Bob McCown, and he asked me to pass on his regards. To oh, you. good. Uh, so probably uh, you can expect a call from him shortly. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a, he's got a new show uh, debuting on AM radio in Toronto starting tomorrow. Anyways, Richard. Uh, last year we had a chat uh, just before the games got uh, the the Tokyo games got uh, pushed over to 2021. The key date is July 23rd. Uh, the date is fast arriving. The world is still in a COVID pandemic. Um, can we expect all? I mean, officially the games are going forward. What are the challenges? Well, I'd, I'd say the challenges are. To keep one's fingers crossed uh, and make sure that uh, there's no huge outbreak of uh, the coronavirus in the next uh, few months, but but all indications uh, so far are very positive. Uh, the vaccines are coming on stream, and uh, it, the uh, preparations that the Tokyo organizers and Japanese government have made have been first class. So it it, it looks uh, looks very good. Yes. Um, Richard, uh, the epidemic is affecting countries differently, and they're at different stages. Do you see a delay past July, and how much is it costing the uh, organizers every time uh, this uh, goes the other way? 
Well, I, I, it's hard to tell at the moment, but I mean, I think it, it's probably north of a couple of billion dollars to have, have put this thing on hold and to have to renegotiate a lot of the contracts for for, for venues and, and and so forth. But uh, it, that's a a cost that they were happy to to assume in the interest of um, finally going ahead and, and not just throwing down, throwing everything uh, you know into the uh, the woodpile. And so, uh, I think I think it looks very good. The uh, every indication we have right now is that it's going to be possible. Uh, probably the biggest arm wrestling is, is going on. That's going on right now is is what percentage of the seats and, and tickets are going to be available? Is it going to be zero, or is it going to be twenty percent, or you know, that that sort of thing? Which has a, a a cost to it as well because they sold almost all of the tickets uh, well in advance of 2020, and if they, they're not able to deliver seats, uh, they're going to have to refund uh, the, the tickets and probably the hotel accommodations. Uh, we're talking to Richard Pound. Richard, obviously putting together uh, people from all over the world um, during uh, young people from all young people, and and you know there's. Uh, you also have officials that I, I wouldn't call them elderly, but may not be in their twenties and thirties. Uh, putting them, putting that group together from all over the world, of course, in a in a in a pandemic world, carries certain risks, and I'm sure each delegation will deal with that in their own way, and each government will deal with it in their own way. Uh, the idea has come up, uh, and I know you've you've. You've talked about it. You have an opinion on this, and you've been criticized for it. But anybody who has an opinion on anything nowadays uh, gets criticized, so that's not unusual. Uh, the issue of whether athletes should be vaccinated, and it, 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 it's an issue. It's a difficult issue from a lot of different perspectives because you get into the whole concept of queue jumping. But we are sending people that are representing our country into a situation where it would be safer if they were being vaccinated. So I, I see both sides of that issue, uh, and, and it can be legitimately debated both ways. Uh, Richard, I know that you've, you've, uh, your sense is that it, it would be appropriate if we could, without taking vaccines away from those most vulnerable, to vaccinate our athletes before they go over to Japan or Beijing, for that matter, but Japan has the urgency. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, my thought has always been that, uh, look, when, when uh, the vaccine becomes available, and they now have, uh, you've got a whole bunch of must-haves. Your, your first-line responders, your, your, your caregivers, the, the elderly that are in you know, vulnerable nursing homes and so on, and, and they clearly uh, have first call, and I don't think there's a, an Olympic athlete anywhere in Canada that that, that uh, wouldn't agree with that. But after you've dealt with, the, you know, the urgent cases and, and the high-risk cases, and that might be, you know, let's say it's a quarter of the, of, of the country, uh, you still got three-quarters of the country to deal with, and, and uh, each country is then going to have to decide how it uh, proceeds with the, uh, the, the allocation of the available uh, vaccines. And in that consideration, you say, all right, we're, we're sending a, a lot of people over to Tokyo to, to represent Canada, and we're very proud of our Olympic athletes, and 
it makes sense that uh, we we take whatever steps we can to minimize the risk for them uh, to go ahead. And and so, you know, don't don't forget about your Olympic athletes in in all of that. And and so uh, I don't know that we have a a national policy as yet, but uh, whatever it is, it, it has to include the uh, the athletes. And I think that's reasonable. You're sending it's like you're sending diplomats or soldiers or other representatives of the country abroad and you want to make it uh, as risk free as possible uh richard uh switching uh switching topics from the tokyo olympics to the beijing olympics uh, scheduled for early next year there's increasing uh sentiment although uh you know we we, we always take the uh we we'll always try to take the approach to try to keep politics out of the Olympic movement as much as possible. As we know, historically, that's almost impossible. Uh, but there are some people suggesting uh, that we should seriously uh, consider how we're going to approach uh, the Beijing Olympics. Uh, there's a lot of people in the world right now are are pretty upset at the Chinese government for civil rights abuses, for what it's doing to a certain segment of its population, for its bullying of Taiwan, for a lot of different reasons, uh, the topic of boycott comes up. And I know you've been strongly, historically, and you've been consistent, boycott is not the appropriate response. Um, care to uh, care to expand upon that? Sure. I, I mean, I think your introduction of the, the the issues was the you know the Chinese government actions, and governments should be dealing with governments. That's and there's lots of ways that you can indicate to the Chinese that that their conduct is is unacceptable. Uh, what everyone looks for is a is a gesture, and an easy way out, which involves somebody else doing what you're not able or willing to do yourself, and so it's. Uh, when when the politicians start talking about we must do something about it, what, what they actually mean is that Olympic athletes should sacrifice themselves in a gesture that we all know is not going to bring about conduct change in China. And my view is the government should take their responsibility and, and exercise it. And there are many, many ways you can make it clear to the Chinese that their conduct is unacceptable. Um, Maybe some cost, to, to, you know, to the governments to do that, but but that's their job. We have two Canadians uh, for, for uh, uh, known as quotation marks the two Michaels that have been imprisoned in in Chinese jails for a couple of years. Um, we uh, as Canadians are obviously upset and concerned about that. Uh, aside from a boycott, is there anything Canadian athletes? If Canadian athletes were to do something in the uh, in the opening, like wearing an armband to to uh, remind the world about our two Canadians, is that inappropriate? Well, that's that's uh, an effort to politicize the, the games. Uh, you know, whether it's by the athletes or at the behest of the Canadian government or whatever the uh, the path to that may be, and. and the, the the deal has always been in the uh, Olympics that uh, you know there's no discrimination, there's no politics, there's just young people getting together to have you know good competition. And if you make it uh, any more than that, then then it's a matter of 
the, the medal goes to the person with the most innovative protest uh, rather than the, the, the best sport performance. So I, I think the, the best thing we can do is indicate to the world that it's possible for people from 206 countries around the world to compete, uh, even if it's only for 17 days, uh, in, a, in a world that is free of politics and, and dissension and discrimination. That's the real message of the Olympics. Ness? Is the Canadian government on board with sending the athletes in July, do you think, Richard? Well, I think the Canadian government was was interesting. If you remember the the free vote they had on the the genocide issue uh, in Parliament, uh, the entire cabinet did not take part in it. So they've so far the, the Canadian government has has uh, been uh, on on side with the, the the peaceful nature of the Olympics and, and the special nature of them. Now, whether these you know, government actions can, and policies can change, but so far Canada has not uh, done that. I mean, we learned from pretty bitter experience uh, 40 years ago with Moscow that the Olympic boycotts do not bring about conduct change uh, in the target country. And, and <laughs> it's as if you're saying now with, with Beijing, we are so mad about the human rights abuses in China that we're going to remove the rights of our athletes to uh, participate in something for which they've uh, uh, practiced for years and years and years. That's that's how mad we are, and it just it's a does not compute uh, formula. And, and, and fortunately, Canada has stayed away from that this time. Uh, we're talking to Richard Pound. Richard, I want to change gears uh, somewhat. Uh, you've been the most prominent person involved in uh, doping in athletics. Uh, for the last quarter century, first president of WADA. Um, the Russian uh, situation was dealt with by the Court of International Arbitration, I believe, or sport, mm-hmm. uh, reversing WADA's decision to put a four, not reversing, but tempering WADA's decision. They had a four-year ban on, on, uh, on Russian participation in an official sense. Uh, in in Olympics and other international competition, that got scaled back to two years. Uh, Travis uh, Tigard, the CEO of the U.S. Anti Doping Agency, expressed great disappointment with the decision, and and suggested it handed WADA and clean athletes a significant loss. In some quarters, the decision was met with disbelief and anger. Your opinion, Richard? Well, I was like like most people. I thought that the WADA decision of the, the four year sanction was appropriate in the circumstances. You know, when you think that a sixteen year old swimmer who takes a, a you know a, a supplement that's been tainted uh, can get suspended for two years, uh, and you compare the, the situa- that situation with uh, Russia being out there for a decade or more, completely disrupting and, and tainting the. Uh, whole sports system and they end up with only a two-year sanction is was was disappointing and now that's uh, uh, there's not much we can do about that now what what was good about it though is that is that uh, the findings that water used to to have the four-year sanction were completely supported i mean the the court of arbitration for sport specifically mentioned vladimir putin as being uh, responsible for this sort of thing. So I think uh, with that experience, if, if something like this happened again and a four-year sanction were recommended, there would be a four-year sanction. And 
it's I, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I, you know, sometimes you, you get disappointed when you go to court, but that's one of the risks you have. That an independent judgment will be uh, will not agree with the, the submissions you've made. I'm talking, Richard. Richard, before we let you go, uh, you know, uh, we're on Zoomer Radio. We're not. Uh, Naz and I are not getting any younger, and uh, Toronto's had a. Kick. I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto's had a kick at the can at the at the uh, Summer Olympics uh, twice, the, the '96 games in Atlanta, which which we were the favorites for for the longest period of time. You can get those uh, Beijing the the '08 Olympics. Uh, I don't think there's any groundswell right now. For uh, necessarily for Toronto to uh, enter its name into the Olympics race, and certainly uh, not so sure uh, we, we necessarily want to start that. But uh, uh, would you like to see a, a summer games in Toronto? Uh, what would it mean for the city and and for the country? Well, I think uh, certainly Toronto could do a splendid job. Uh, there was no question about that. We kind of got nipped at the wire by Atlanta in uh, in, uh, in 1996, and then you, know, you sort of forget the, these folks down there talk slow, but they think pretty fast, and uh, they, they just kind of outmaneuvered us. Bidding against Beijing, I I always thought was a mistake, and I remember being asked about uh, that candidacy, and I said, well, uh, for for uh, 2008. Canada can beat any country in the world except China, because China got sort of out-touched back for the games in, in 2000 by the, by Sydney. And coming back uh, eight years later, uh, it was pretty well a sure thing. And so I thought our best bet would have been to say to the Chinese, look, uh, we think we could do this uh, at least as well as you can, but it's it's your turn. Uh, we will support you, and we hope you and your friends will think kindly of us for 2012 or whatever the next uh, games would have been. But that, I actually, I remember in some of the Toronto media, I was called a traitor to the bid. I said, what? <laughs> I'm just giving you some advice here. And uh, so anyway, the, the short answer is I think... Um, Toronto could do a great job. I think an, another possibility under the new flexible uh, host city selection um, procedures the IC has put in place is, is we could have a pretty interesting bid that involved Montreal, Kingston, and Toronto. Uh, Kingston was where the yachting was for um, 1976. And, and that would be a very attractive uh, proposition because we really wouldn't have to build uh, anything. And that that would cut down on, on the costs, and you'd have uh, two fantastic cities with, a, with the, uh, with the uh, Oreo uh, cookie in the middle of, uh, of Kingston. Uh, Richard, do you ever foresee the day where the Olympics might go uh, cross-border the way the, the way the World Cup has? in soccer and the way the Euro has in soccer, where you'd actually have more than one host country? Sure, and, and that's actually been possible for, for many years, especially with the Winter Games, where you know not all countries have mountains and things like that. Um, it's never actually happened. And uh, you know, in our case, the, the, 
the obvious cross-border would be the, uh, the United States, and uh, they have a huge appetite for money and, uh, and <laughs> status, so we would be very much... Um, uh, the, the tail on the on the particular uh, yeah. dog. Anyways, on that note, Richard, we're going to thank you. We're going to thank you for all the uh, wonderful and incredible and important work you've done in your career, uh, keeping the Olympic flame alive and trying to get the cheaters out of and the dopers out of sport. Uh, it's incredible and important work we, you've done. We thank you for it, and we thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Nice to be with you. Thank you. Thank you, Richard Pound. Naz, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, just want to announce uh, uh, we've had a couple of uh, couple of uh, correspondences from li- some listeners over the course of the last month, asking if we're ever going to do calls again on uh, listener calls from the uh, uh, from listeners on our show um, in the in the uh, COVID world that we live, where we're doing the show remotely. It does present some technological challenges. Uh, but uh, we will listen to our listeners. We'll try and uh, integrate a few of those into our shows in the coming weeks. And, uh, uh, and on that note, if, uh, if Kevin from Buffalo, if you're still listening, uh, get your finger ready. Uh, we're going to try and open up the lines in, in the next few weeks at the tail end of the show. Uh, golf's going on today, Naz, down at, uh, down at Sawgrass. Lee Westwood is making a statement for all the Zoomers. Uh, if he wins today, you know, at, at that age, uh, not many, uh, not many, uh, professional golfers at the age of 48, uh, win on the, uh, win on the professional tour. We've got the masters coming up in a few weeks. Um, all kinds of other things. We've got the Leafs going on, uh, NAS, uh, Blue Jays are going to be, uh, are, are heavy into spring training. Uh, your thoughts on the Jays? What are you What are you seeing so far, Ness? Well, they look like the hitting is there. The pitching is they're happy with. So let's bring the games on. It should be very interesting, and I hope hopefully we can get to a game or two this year in Toronto. Well, that would be nice. I I, I get the sense that uh, things are starting to open up somewhat. Uh, you know, obviously. You know, you, you see these golf tournaments down in Florida, and there's, you know, you can actually hear the fans. I, I mean, they're not at a hundred percent capacity, and you know, the politics in Florida are a little bit different than perhaps in in our jurisdiction or in other jurisdictions. But uh, you can certainly see the effect that fans make, and they are there to applaud great shots. And I'm sure the, I'm sure the golfers appreciate it. Uh, fans back. At the uh, Scotia Bank Center, watching a Maple Leaf game, or if we're back at the Rogers Center, uh, it, it, I sense it will be. Uh, we're going to open up. Uh, people are, as I'm sure you're aware, Naz, uh, vaccinations are starting to happen, uh, uh, starting to uh, increase exponentially. A lot of people are starting to get vaccinated. There's still a lot of work to do, uh, but I think we're getting there. So, uh, we uh, we probably will be back at the Rogers Center before the end of the year, uh, watching some baseball. And who knows? Who knows? We may be watching. Uh, we there may be uh, there may be a few people in the stands watching the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs as well. Naz, it's ten o'clock. Uh, time to uh, for your final word. Everybody have a good week, and we'll hear you next week. Look, uh, look forward to that. To all our listeners, have a great week. Stay safe. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thank you for listening.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.